Hey everybody, this is Patrick Auda talking all the way from the Czech Republic and you're listening to the Left Coast Pirates. Seconds to go down by two. Here's Whitehead. Guarded by Ochefu. Gets the step into the lane. Goes to the bucket. Layup. Rolls around it in. And a foul. Whitehead ties the game. Pow from Trenton. Woo! What Trenton makes, the world takes. Coming to you just west of the Ward Place Gate from San Diego, California. He is Mike Dizzy Deziri, class of 2001. I am Tommy Chilkaharski, class of 1997, and we are Left Coast Pirates. How you doing today, Mikey? I'm excited, Tommy. I love when other people who are in the broadcast business come on to our show. It just feels like it's a sign of mutual respect, and we got one of the best in the business coming on the show this time. Brian Custer, I mean, if you haven't heard a voice that was made for television and calling a sporting event, Brian Custer is at the top of the list in today's game. Uh, And on top of that, I mean, he's got this crazy dubious streak in covering Seton Hall basketball in which they are 26-0 in the games that he's broadcast. It's kind of taken on this lore, this mystique, and it's been a lot of fun. And I'd like to kind of hear his perspective on it. Dubious, dubious. I don't think that word means what you think it means, Mike. It's certainly inexplicable. It's certainly incredible. But I don't know that dubious is the right word. Brian Uh Custer is a full-time good luck charm for the program. I want him on every broadcast. Let's go. Hailing from Columbus, Ohio, he is an Emmy Award-winning sports anchor at Sportsnet New York and host of Showtime Championship Boxing. In addition to being a play-by-play announcer for Fox Sports, working on college football and college basketball, and most importantly, when announcing Seton Hall Pirate basketball games, he stands undefeated with 26 victories, zero defeats, all coming by KO. Please welcome to Left Coast Pirates Live, Brian Custer. Brian, how are you today? Uh, Mike, good to be with both of you guys. I certainly appreciate uh, that introduction. I think the the last part of that was probably the best, being undefeated uh, when talking about pirate basketball. Brian, you have no idea. He practiced that thing like 20 times in front of the mirror. All right. Well, well, thank you for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. No, it's great, man. It, 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 look, whenever I can talk to pirates, I'm in heaven, man. They've always treated me well, and I, I love doing their games. The so mayor of Newark, ladies and gentlemen, the <laughs> mayor of Newark. Well, we'll try to roll out the red carpet on today's show. So, so Brian, just like we've been doing with all of our guests this summer, before we kind of get started, we just want to kind of do a wellness check-in from your perspective. Obviously, times are crazy, the pandemic. We want to make sure that everyone and their family are healthy and safe. So how are you guys doing on your side? No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I have three boys, uh, the wife. And uh, so, yeah, I think we're all we're all good. Uh, I think like most uh, here on the East Coast, we have been quarantined. 
certainly looking forward to school uh, starting back and the young ones going back to school. Get them out. Get them out. <laughs> <laughs> so teaching them in that virtual learning, that was rough. Uh, especially in March, April, May, and June. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the younger ones getting back to school. Well, glad to hear that the East Coast is starting to kind of loosen up. We're getting hit here on the on the left coast. Yeah. So we are actually doing the virtual learning right from the get-go. So uh, God bless my wife because I, I can't do that stuff, man. Yeah, hey, can't. listen, I'll just say brush up on your mixed numbers, uh, common denominators, all of those men. <laughs> Brian, we could we could do a whole oh, podcast. Oh, don't start me with Common Core, common core Brian. Let me tell you something. My youngest is nine, and she comes to me and says, "Dad, how do I do this?" I go, "I don't know. You just got to memorize your times tables." <laughs> yeah. So please brush up on all of those because uh, that's what you're going to have to utilize those skills, man. When it comes to virtual learning, and there there was nights. Forget about going into the media guys, learning about players. I was brushing up on old notes and going <laughs> Googling improper fractions. Like, oh, yeah, that's how you do that. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, normally, as we're heading into the end of August or heading into September, we are preparing for the new college basketball season. And our guests are kind of gearing us up for that. But there's nothing normal about 2020 in any capacity. But I think that's kind of what we find ourselves holding on to at this moment is just any kind of normalcy potentially being around the corner. So in my opinion, I think the only way for sports to be safe is to kind of embrace adaptability. And right now what we are seeing as a successful approach is obviously the implementation of the bubble environment. You had the, the basketball tournament in the summertime and you've had the restart to the NHL and NBA seasons. But you personally have been a part of a bubble format uh, as Showtime Sports has brought boxing back to the viewing audience. So describe for us what the experience has been like so far from the perspective of the broadcast booth inside the bubble. Uh, it's different. I mean, um, you know, generally uh, from a Showtime boxing perspective, usually we get into a city, uh, let's say on a Wednesday uh, Thursday at the latest. And, you know, you're there, uh, press conference on the Thursday, weigh in on a Friday, uh, the fight on Saturday, and then you fly out on a Sunday. You know, now we're just doing our fights in Connecticut at the uh, Mohegan Sun uh, at the present time. And yeah, we usually get in on uh, a Wednesday night. Um, you get tested uh, very early uh, Thursday morning and you're not allowed to leave your room until you get the results back uh, from the hospital. And usually you get those results back on Friday. And uh, once we get the results back and obviously they come back negative, we do all of our meetings now by uh, Zoom. Uh, so we, we don't leave our rooms at all. Um, they, we have to order room service. We're not allowed to even go out into the lobby uh, walk around the hotel, none of that. So once you test negative, they don't want any complications. So you stay in your room. Uh, all meetings, fighter meetings are by Zoom. Uh, they still do the weigh-ins, but the weigh-ins are in a room where it's just the fighters, uh, the key personnel, and that's it. We don't broadcast those anymore. Those aren't broadcasted like we used to do. The press conference isn't open like it used to be. So you don't, we do all that by Zoom. And uh, it's, it, it really is. You go into the actual ballroom of the fight, and it, it's different. There's no fans. The only people are there are us, the, the fighter, their uh, key personnel, 
in the commission. So it is almost really an, and there's just, it's like no energy in the room. Well, that was going to be my um, question, right? Like you got, you're feeding off that energy as you broadcast, yes, right? Absolutely. Uh, so it, it's just, it is really, really, it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of feel. Um, and it will be interesting too, to see uh, once we get to basketball season, how that will play out as well. Well, it seemed like the individual sports had a little easier path coming out from all this, you know, smaller numbers involved in it uh, and combat sports, especially, which was interesting. Is there anything from your observations that team sports can learn from these individual events that could help them deal with the pandemic? Yeah, I, I think uh, the key is testing. I mean, uh, you, you got to uh, you've got to test. You know, we had we had uh, um, uh, one of our fights in the main event, the main event fighter. Uh, they got like all of us. They got tested when they get there because they get in there on Monday. We come in on Wednesday, got in there on the Monday and got tested, passed. And on Wednesday, supposedly he went into the casino. And when he got tested again on Friday, came back uh, positive. And he said, well, the only thing I did was Wednesday night, we went into the casino and they were just like, why, why did you leave your room? Why? Uh, so that just goes to show you how, how dangerous this virus is and how quickly it can spread uh, if you're not careful. And so I think that's why the, the key is testing, man. You, you got to make sure that you have a system in place that will test these young guys, especially because these are students. It's different when these guys are professionals and you know, they're getting paid to take this risk. These guys are college students. So you have to make sure that you have that kind of system in place that you can test and yet keep them in that somewhat of a, of a soft bubble there to make sure that they are safe. Now, listen, you want them to, to, to be a student. Um, I think the, the, the problem you've seen on campuses are the parties and that's where all of a sudden it spreads. And so you have to tell your players, hey, look, I want you to be a student, but you need to be smart. And I, I, I can't have you at least during the season at parties. You need to go to your room, uh, do your thing uh, and go to class and then come to practice and that's it. But, Brian, uh, but you got to have key testing in place. Tom and I joke where we're definitely older than maybe the kids we're referencing to right now. And, yeah. you know, what we were doing at 18 to 22 was reckless at that time. The millennials nowadays, I mean, how can you expect these kids? They're still kids yep. to completely isolate and shut down from their peers. I just I don't see that as being reality. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough. I know I know even Kevin Willard had talked about different things. He talked about having a soft bubble. Uh, you know, one of the things that. Uh, he talked about was, if I'm not mistaken, he said from uh, Thanksgiving until like mid-January where he said, hey, look, why don't we have uh, uh, th that area where students are generally gone because they're on vacation and things of that nature. Maybe that's the, that's the time where we can go to different campuses and play teams at different sites. Uh, but then once everyone comes back, let's say in February, you know, I know the Big East has talked about having their own kind of bubble. I, I want to say it was like Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. That a would be of, a whole bunch of ideas site. being tossed out right now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be a bubble site where it would be a hard bubble uh, where those guys would be. And, and, you know, you bring some of the teams there and they play conference games there in that bubble. But I tell you, you know, the one thing I will say this, uh, Tom and Mike, is that um, not only testing is key, but 
the mental health part of it is crucial because when you get into this bubble and especially for us being in a hard bubble, when you, and I'm only there to see Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I'm usually there three, four days, but when you're in a hotel room for four straight days, you cannot leave. You can't walk out. You can't do anything. Everything happens in that hotel. It, it wears on you after, uh, after a while. Brian, sign, uh, sign me up, man. Two kids and the wife, sign me up, man. <laughs> well, you know, to your point, obviously, regardless of all these preparation and precautions, there is some level of risk, whether it's some silly guy going into the casino just to walk through just because he wants a mental break from preparation. Right. But there, that leads to a level of exposure for everyone who participates. And as your teams grow, which, which makes me think college football just can't happen just from a numbers game. But, you know, being a cancer survivor yourself, how do those risks weigh on your decision to get back and work in this format? You got to be a little more scared than others, no? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've got it. We had, I have a couple of colleagues who... Um, you know, on Showtime, who haven't, who made the decision, no, I mean, I'm not going to work right now. And they, they live in LA. They don't want to take the risk of flying. They didn't want to take the risk of coming here on the East Coast because they knew at the very beginning uh, we had it bad. But now, as you point out, you guys have it bad there on the left coast. And so they didn't want, they were like, hey, look, we'll, we're, we'll wait. I'll wait until next year or I'll wait until this pandemic really calms down countrywide before I, I, I make that commitment to coming out. And for me, I mean, it was, it was really a choice that, you know, I got to work, I got to support my family. And um, I also realized that I'm going to be smart. And if I am going to go uh, to this bubble, I'm not going to just say, you know, I think I want to, because I'm, I'm going a little stir crazy in this bedroom in this hotel room, I think I'm going to go out into the lobby or I think I'm going to take a stroll around the casino just to see what's happening. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm there for a purpose. I'm there to do that fight, call that fight or call that game. And that is it. You know, I had to, I had to do one in the summer. I had to go to Vegas and there was, it was kind of like the big three, all those guys who played in the big three played in a, a, a tournament this, this summer in Vegas. And it was the same thing. We were in a hotel and we were not allowed to leave that hotel. If you left the hotel at all, you were basically kicked off out of the tournament and they were, they were flying you home. So even, the, and I was there for over a week. I was there for nine days. And I had to, you had to go, if you walked to the front of that hotel, the valet guy was there, you had to tell him, hey, I just want to get some exercise. I'm going to be in the parking lot and I'm just going to walk up and down in the parking lot. And he, you basically have to tell him that and he had to keep his eye on you because if you took one step off the property, they would report you and you would get kicked out. So, so I get it that, that you're controlling the level of uncertainty and concern and everybody's monitoring that. But speaking of concern, typically by this time in August, division one's men's basketball programs have released their schedules. Yeah. And at this point, for obvious reasons, only 17 programs have done so. What are you hearing from your employers at Fox in terms of what games you might be calling? Or is it basically just a major wait and see at this point? It is. It is. Uh, and that is because even the Big East has uh, sent out, they sent out a email not too long ago that we got that saying they are still 
uh, taking things under consideration before they release uh, everything. You know, one of the things is they in consideration is the conference schedule. Do we push that back? Uh, do we play the conference schedule uh, in, you know, just January? Uh, when or do when we release things, do we just play a conference schedule and we not do non-conference stuff? And so that was the email we got from the Big East and, and the directive from Fox is, okay, well, we can't really assign games to you guys until we find out what the conference is going to do. Uh, so it really is, as you just pointed out, a wait and see, because I think the conference is kind of trying to look at what football is doing and trying to gauge on, are we going to have a second wave of this pandemic? Because of the story here for us is we've, we have weathered the first wave, but now as we get closer to the fall and the flu season, that there will be a second wave. And if that's the case, uh, how do we handle the schedule? So I think that's why we're in a wait and see right now. Well, as Mike mentioned, by now we would have a schedule out and Seton Hall fans always look forward to it. And the next schedule that they look forward to, Brian, is seeing how many games that you would be calling for the Pirates. It almost becomes reflex at this time. We see a tough game coming up and say, man, we hope Custer's going to be on that mic. And last year, after checking Miles Powell's availability with all the injuries he went through, you were the next person we wanted in that building. But in all seriousness, the last time you were behind the mic for a Seton Hall game, Sandro Mamukilishvili was sending the rock into a craze as he beat the buzzer for a game winner against Butler. Now, that extended this inexplicable winning streak to 26 games in a row. Wow. That that's that's crazy. Now now we're known to be a, to ask our guests some tough direct questions. So, has Kevin Willard followed up on those promises to send you that wind? He has not. Oh, Kevin, what is months. going on? So, Big Willie as I like to call him, <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting for my bottle of Riesling uh because he said he red wine and I said, "No, I'm a, I'm I'm a white wine Riesling type of guy." And uh, so I'm still waiting uh, for that. And, 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 the, and the really interesting thing is that um, the, the uh, Thomas Chen, the PR. Mm-hmm. Yep. SID, yep. sure. He told me, he said, trust me, if you get the 30, you got <laughs> Oh, now it's 30. Bobblehead. Bobblehead. Oh, my God. I was going to ask him, was there was there an unwritten price tag put on this bottle of Riesling? That was going to be my question. (laughs) Right, right. So I, to be honest with you, I was more excited about the Brian Custer bobblehead night at the arena as opposed to the wine. I was like, yeah, give me the bobblehead night. You can keep the bottle of Riesling. I want the bobblehead night. So that's what I'm looking forward to. But he said we got, we get the thirty. You're having Brian Custer bobblehead night at the Rock. So, Brian, when did this thing start being a thing? Because, you know, we started noticing, I want to say in the 20s almost, but that's just, that's a ridiculous number even to get to, that 20 games in a row, yeah. uh, you're on the mic and we're winning. But when do you, when did you start getting that notice on this? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Brother Chin kind of, I want to say it was a, a good couple of years ago. You know, and and it was, I remember we were in D.C. We did a a Georgetown Seton Hall game in D.C. And they came back and won. And he said, he said, man, I was just looking at something really obscure. And he said, you know, 
you're undefeated when we, yeah, we're like, you know, you've done, you're like 11 and 0 or something like that. And I was like, really? Huh? Interesting. That's, that's cool. And didn't think anything of it. And uh, I know we were in Providence one day and, and they won again and come back fashion. And I remember, and this was, it had to be about a good two, three years ago. He said, man, you've, you've become a lucky charm for us. And uh, just never really thought about it, but I would say it really took fire among the fan base, I would say uh, probably two years ago. And once I had gotten into the, like the high teens area, that's when uh, I think a lot of people, and it was like when you walk into the rock, they were like, oh yeah, <laughs> it is on. We got the victory. And last year was the first season that the coaches started had gotten a word of it because we we were in I was in Villanova and I was I was doing uh, a game with the great Lynn Elmore and Jay Wright who is a true gentleman who I thoroughly enjoy we 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 walked back into the coach's office and he looked up and the first thing he said was hey how you doing B uh are you here Saturday and I said Saturday and I was like Lynn I think aren't we doing something aren't we doing the game next Saturday? We just talked about that. He said, no, no, yeah, we are. And he said, I think we have Providence. He said, good, because if you said you were going to be here Saturday when we have Seton Hall, I was going to say, get your ass out of here. Didn't I don't help. Didn't help, Brian. Didn't, didn't help. The streak ended. Yes. <laughs> About time. 26, another 26 years, man. I don't think right. I could, my heart could have handled it. Yes, uh, yes. So he, he did that. And then Ed Cooley said the same. Thing. That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. It was a Providence game at in Newark. And we walked in. And me and Sarah Kustak walked in there. And he looked at me and said, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I can see like I know the, we lost now. I know we lost. He had the egg Cooley gyrations down too. That that definitely yes, was it right there. Yeah. And, uh, and he didn't say it like that. It was a few curse oh. words. You know Ed Cooley. It was a few <laughs> curse words also there. But th this was the the year where coaches have gotten wind of the street. All right. So so but the year prior, the mystique starts to grow. You you talked about a couple comeback victories, but they were highlighted by some other big, like out of nowhere comeback wins. Yeah. It started off like you said, two years ago where I started really noticing it, you did the Big East opener, Seton Hall versus St. John's, and Shavar Reynolds hits the three at the buzzer. Yes. Walk on, walk off, yeah. and everyone's going nuts. Great yep. call, by the way. Yeah. And then later that season, there's another one that comes to mind. Seton Hall rallies against Marquette. They are totally getting thrashed, in my opinion. Thrashed. The, the, the season's going down the hill. It's like going to be their fourth straight loss. They call a timeout, and from that point on, the light switch flipped. They end the game on an 18-0 run. Do you find yourself getting caught up in the mystique of it all sometimes? Or are you just kind of going through the motions and just treating it like any other call on the mic? No, I, I think uh I think at this point now I'm 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 so aware of it that I even get nervous. I mean, uh th there are times I and I remember the Shavar Reynolds that, that was against uh St. John's. St. John's, yeah. And there was that call. That they messed up that Figueroa. Figueroa stole the ball and they called him out of bounds. That's right. Exactly. It, I, I don't. Re I don't remember any call being missed there. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> and and trust me. So at that point, I'm sitting there. Even I at that point was like, oh man, I can't believe the streak is coming to an end. And 
you know, look, they, 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 the call happens, and then Shavar hits that shot, and I literally sat there like, I cannot believe that, this. And, you know, people are tapping me on the back, like, great job. Great. I'm like, I didn't play. You need to go tell, you need to go tell these guys that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm totally aware of it now. I mean, trust me, whenever I walk in that building, everyone lets me know. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm very cognizant of it. And, and, and look, my heart is racing just like it. Like the beat, total, full disclosure, my heart's racing just like everyone else. And Marquette Games a great example of that. And I'm sitting here watching this this comeback, like, wow, this is unbelievable. Uh, the Mamu shot uh, at the buzzer this past season. I mean, yeah, there there have been there, there have been a. I even remember. I think you guys played Prairie View. I think this past season, and they. I mean. I don't know if Seton Hall took them lightly or what, oh. but it's all of a sudden Prairie View is about to, to knock these guys off. And I'm sitting there like, wow, this streak is about to come to an end. <laughs> Prairie View came to play. You know, yeah. you, you come in, you got a shot at the big boys. You got to take yeah. it. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Brian. So, so we want to go down memory lane and kind of bring it back to that Marquette game, talking about your passion, your heart being into it. I, I, I maybe you don't we get to realize it, but man, we we stood back and Tom and I watched that again, and we're like, wow, Brian is really into this. So we we want to give the fans who might have missed that opportunity to watch that game. We want to give them a taste of your passion. I'm going to set the stage. Seton Hall is mounting their comeback. They are now trailing 64-60 late in the second half. And Miles Powell on three consecutive possessions puts on his Superman cape, and then I'll let your words kind of do the rest. He's got just six. Powell's got 29. In the lane. Count it, Miles Powell. Oh man, you know that it's just you add so much to it as most announcers do, but it just you can feel it coming through. So, how much fun was it to be a part of these games, especially when a player like Miles Powell took over in big moments? Oh man, it's great. But even the team knows about the streak now. So, you know, I can walk in a building and Miles Powell will come up and give me a hug and say, there's my guy. Mama, <laughs> same thing. Be like, oh, God, we need you today. We need you today. You know, uh, so I love, plus, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I love the atmosphere. You could, you could see, I mean, and, and trust me, at the very beginning of this season, too, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Seton Hall was like 10th or 11th in the country. People came out to the rock. The rock was that whole arena was filled and the energy inside there was great. So, it, you know, that, that part of it is great. It just, you, you get wrapped up to, into it. Uh, listen, I love the game anyway. And when you get a game like that, you're just in it. And, uh, you know, it, it, Miles put on a show. Marquette always uh, has a, a team that can score. So it was a big win for the program. And you, you just – you love that kind of energy. To me, it's the essence of what college basketball is all about. All right. So, obviously, you've gotten a chance to watch a lot of pirate basketball. We want to kind of get your take from the other side of the uh, the court. Assuming that we do play basketball in 2020, 2021, what's, what do you like about the Seton Hall roster upcoming this season? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's going to be interesting because obviously with Miles gone, uh, that's a big hit. Quincy, you know, you know, he took a huge step this past season just from a leadership that when Miles was down, he scored a lot too. He showed that he could score. Um, and then I think it's Anthony Nelson who's left, uh, left the program. Yeah. So that, you know, he was a young guy who you thought was going to take that next step for them. Um, to me, I think it's going to be a roster that's going to defend. I mean, when you think about uh, guys like Tyrese Samuel, uh, Miles Kale, you know, you want him to, this is his last year, you want him to fulfill expectations. This is a young man who's so explosive athletically. You want him to just turn it on and say, use those God-given gifts that you've got. Be a shooter, be a leader, and kind of take that step that everyone thought you were going to take uh, when you came on campus, you know, hopefully Mamu, I'm, I would assume is going to stay and he announced gonna, he's back. He announced yeah, that he's back. Yep. Going to stay and, 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 and be, listen, he knows that he has an opportunity to possibly play at the next level. If he can come in and play really well uh, for Seton Hall this year. And, you know, I think there's, there's a couple of things from a scoring standpoint, uh, Bryce Aiken, the transfer from Harvard, Correct. You know, listen, yep. if, if he can come in and, and give him give him something and, and uh, Molson, I think it was came from Canisius. Paul Molson from Canisius. Yep. Double yes. digits. Yep. Yeah. Player, so player of the year in the Mac. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he can come in and make that transition that uh, Quincy McKnight made. If he can do that and come right in and play, I think I think, you know, the Pirates are going to be right there. Listen, in the preseason, are they going to be on anybody's top 25? Probably not. I don't think so. But I, they look like a squad to me that is going to defend and play Kevin Willard blue collar basketball where they're going to beat you up. And you know what? They're going to play tough. If they can knock down shots, look out. You never know at the end of the season, there'll be a team of people talking about. I think you hit it right on the head. Every time that you gave a prelude to one of the players to keep an eye out for, you put an if right in front of that statement. There's a lot of ifs on this team coming up. And if they all can fulfill that potential, I think Seton Hall fans could see another special season or there could be a lot of transition and struggle, especially with the lack of preparation and practice time that's being afforded to them due to the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. You hit it right then and there because of the lack of preparation and all that type of stuff. And then you look at, I think it's Nova's probably got what four of their starters coming back from Gillespie, Robinson, Earl. I mean, they just basically, uh, Sadiq Bay is basically the only person that's going to leave there. That's so correct. obviously, you know, a lot of people are going to look to Nova uh, as being the top, and, and I'm sure Creighton as well with uh, Zigorowski uh, sticking around there. So I, mean, I, I, w- I would think that you would, you would consider Seton Hall to probably be, you know, maybe fourth. Uh, fifth, somewhere right around in there. Uh, don't say, don't, uh, say, don't and, say they're behind UConn. Just don't <laughs> say they're behind UConn. <laughs> and, and, and I heard, you know, listen, there are a lot of people excited about UConn. You know, they're saying, hey, UConn will probably be the third best team in the conference. I was like, whoa, okay. I mean, that's a big step for them stepping right back into the Big East, but we'll see. Well, as this pandemic hit, the cancellation of sports seasons and the delay of others really kind of left a a big emptiness in people's hearts. But a lot of folks have started podcasts. And Brian, you started yours, The Last Stand. What great podcast name, by the way. Thank you. It debuted in May, and it's had a lot of notable guests. It had... Jay Wright, like you mentioned, one of your favorites. It's had former NFL players, Donovan McNabb, Mike Vick, 
a host of combat sport personalities. But I'll tell you, my favorites have been the ones that you've had those other kind of guests on. I listened to the Ice Cube one and the Rosie Perez one was fantastic. That's right in my wheelhouse. I'll tell you, she could be that Gloria from White Man Can't Jump to me any day. But let me ask you, how's it going for you and how do you enjoy that forum compared to calling live action? Well, let me just say this. I, you know, I took a cue from you guys. Said, <laughs> Tom and Mike are doing some things, man. With the Left Coast Pirates podcast. I got I to gotta do it. So Got to get my slice of the pie. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think with, with the pandemic, especially when it hit, man, in March and, and April, you know, I think like a lot of people, I wasn't working. I mean, you know, we get paid. I think what people don't realize is that we get paid by the events. So when basketball went away, when football went away, it gave me the opportunity. Obviously I was spending a lot more time here with the boys and the family, but it gave me the opportunity to do something. I've always wanted to do a podcast, but I was on the road every week. So I never had really the time invested to do it. And it gave me the opportunity to do it. And so when I started the last stand podcast, I said, okay, I want to make sure that I get an opportunity to talk to so many of these guys that you forge relationship with. And a lot of times we have great talks in the locker room. And I'm like, man, if people could hear some of the stuff that we discuss, they would really get something from this. Like whether, whether it's with Jay Wright, who we, Jay Wright's one of those guys, as soon as you go in there for a coach's meeting, you sit there and you guys are talking about everything that their guy, Mike has to come in and say, Coach, I'm sorry. I gotta, you got to meet with some boosters. You got to meet. With- <laughs> no, keep talking. Keep talking to Brian Custer. Don't meet any more boosters, Jay. Right. See, see, Brian, t- t- Tom, and I had a similar kind of symbiotic relationship. After like a Saturday night game, we get on the phone, and Tom's like, "This is what the fans want to hear." I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the conversation between you and Jay right in the locker room a little more enticing than the the phone right. call Tom exactly. was giving me. Exactly. So you know that's why I started it, and and you know people can go to YouTube and subscribe to it. You can also, you know, Google Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to it. But I wanted to, you know, because I have sports with me, relationships with so many people, I wanted to not only make it sports, but entertainment. And as you, you pointed out, Rosie, uh, she's a big boxing fan and she's always been a big fan. And we had a relationship and it, you know, listen, hearing her story um and her childhood and what she went through being uh abused by her mother sexually abused by her own brother i mean that was just like i I almost wanted to cry during that episode just listening to her but i wanted to talk i wanted her to talk about that because if you can overcome that and become that kind of a big major star you can help somebody you can help somebody who may be going through some things whether they whether it's abuse or someone who feels like they don't have a way out of no way. Yeah, you can make it. And you know, her story along with other people's story, I just, I'm just hoping that that's what people take from that. That they, they, they hear a story on how this guy became a champion who came from absolutely nothing. And uh, so that's why I do it. I enjoy it and I hope everybody subscribes to the podcast and listens to it. We got Terrell Owens coming up. So uh, get your popcorn ready. (laughs) I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet. We're ready to listen to T.O. Well, Brian, you know, at the end of your podcast, you do the last stand with your guests. Yeah. Well, 
We don't let our guests go without making them walk the plank. Oh, my. Okay. We've got five rapid-fire questions for you. We want five rapid-fire answers. We don't want you to think too hard. Just give us the first thing that pops off the top of your head. Are you ready? Let's get it. Okay. Question number one. Best moment you've ever called any sport? Wow. Uh, Best moment... Probably uh, Mayweather-McGregor doing that fight because that was the first time I think I was trending on Facebook. (laughs) So I would probably say Mayweather-McGregor. Question number two, best college basketball player you've ever seen while calling a game? uh, That's a phenomenal one. Um, I'm kind of biased. Uh, since this is the Left Coast Pirates podcast, <laughs> Miles Powell, probably one, one of the most explosive scorers. And uh, I just love his story because this is a kid who's come from hard streets of Trenton and his brother being imprisoned and what he's built his life around to be successful, to be a college graduate. I always rooted for this kid. So I just love him, his story. So Miles Powell. Most enjoyable venue you've called a game at? Yes. Um, Probably not Mohegan Sun. Not Mohegan <laughs> Sun. Not Mohegan Sun. Uh, I think uh, it would probably be the, obviously the Garden. I mean, it's just history. I mean, that's it's, it gets no better than the Garden. Opportunity to work side by side with any broadcaster of all time besides your current partners. Who would they be? Wow. Uh, beside my current partners. Uh, you know, people, people would probably, probably say, man, you've got to be bonkers. Come on, man. But, you know, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to do this. And, uh, a lot of it was because of Dick Vitale, because I just felt like, yo, I'm going to be a great basketball player. And this guy is going to be calling my games and he's going to be like, oh, he's a PTP. A diaper dandy. So I, I, I was expecting <laughs> Howard like Cosell. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, hey, look, as a kid, loved him. But I, I would say probably Dick Vitale because, uh, yeah, as a, as, as a high schooler, I wanted him to call my game so bad. But I would would have loved you're, that. You're, you're dating yourself, Brian. You're dating yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, what event is at the top of your bucket list to broadcast? Oh, Super Bowl. Man, without question, uh, I think that, that to to call the Super Bowl is. It, I mean, that's that's the penultimate. I think in our business, there's no one, no. You have so many people around the world watching that. Uh, that would just be. I, if I called the Super Bowl, I'd say, you know what, I'm done. Uh, I've done it all now. I'm good. I walk off. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'd lay put the mic down. Bonus question: Does the streak come to an end? in 2020, 2021? Oh, man. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no, because I've got to have a bobblehead night. (laughs) Congratulations, Brian Custer. They promised me a bobblehead night. It's got to (laughs) happen. You've walked a plank. Way to go there, Brian. We really appreciate you. You know, I got to say, 
you know, you decided to do this podcast, not so much because you heard we were doing one. You heard John Fanta doing one, and you said, if John Fanta can do this, anybody can do it. Sweet guy, man. I love me some John Fanta. He's a sweet guy. He's a good friend of the podcast. Well, Brian, we can't thank you enough for spending some time with us and sharing these stories. You've been fantastic. You are welcome back on the podcast anytime you have a moment to, my friend. I, I love it, man, and and, the, and I love the people of Seton Hall. They have been great to me. I always say, hey, look, you know what? If you really want to thank me, I got two boys, a senior and a junior. How about free tuition? <laughs> free tuition. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll call up Brian Feld and say, Brian, we got to put Custer's kids through school, man. Right, that's it. Free tuition, I'm good. You could take the proceeds from the bobblehead night and put it towards the taxi, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Brian Custer, everybody. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please listen to our previous podcast, which include interviews with former players, Mark Bryant, Danny Calandrillo, Adrian Griffin, Jerry Walker, and Shaheen Holloway. For Tommy Chilkoharski, I am Mike Dizzy Deziri, and you have been listening to Left Coast Pirates. Thank <laughs> you.